Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. It's time now for a Washington report where we turn our attention to headlines out of the United States. So we've got uh, things like from uh, the U.S. Congress passing a new Democratic Party's climate and healthcare bill to U.S. President Joe Biden preparing to launch his re-election bid to the country's reaction to author Salman Rushdie stabbing attack and a whole lot more. On the line with me this morning is Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, good afternoon from California. Ah, you're in California, yeah, because uh, you were taking a flight last week uh, to New York. Nice, nice. Uh, how's the weather there? Oh, it's it's sunny and it doesn't rain, so it's always beautiful here. And you have my my jealousy. <laughs> okay, and no humidity. I should add. Yeah, thanks, thanks. You're making it worse, Steve. <laughs> okay, let's start off by talking about what's come out overnight in the papers. A delegation of U.S. lawmakers arriving in Taiwan for a two-day trip, during which they will meet President Tsai Ing-wen. What is happening here? Are they there to clear up Pelosi's uh, the, the the fallout of uh, Miss Pelosi's visit? No, I mean I think the lawmakers are there to double down saying that the U.S. fully supports Taiwan within the parameters of the one China policy. So this is an indication that the the U.S. policy is not going to change, that it's a one China policy, but it's also going to show we're not going to be intimidated as the United States by China's military exercises as a result of uh, Speaker Pelosi's visit. Does this affect the tariffs on China? Well, there's well that hasn't changed. I mean, all all of the things that the, uh, the tariffs that President Trump put in remain in place. President Biden hasn't really removed those. China put on uh, tariffs on Taiwan as a result of Speaker Pelosi's visits. Those are still there. So the, the situation is still as bad as it's been in decades, and it seems to be not getting any better. Mm. I want to get your opinion on this one. So there was an article, an SD article by Kishore Mabubani, who is a veteran diplomat, has also distinguished fellow at the Asia Research Institute at NUS, former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, saying that he might be uh, humanity's last hope in that sense. I'm not sure if you've come across that article, but what are your thoughts on this? I have. Well, and this is, you know, and, and, you know, Professor Mahubani and, you know, agrees with Henry Kissinger and that there should be, you know, more of a, a realpolitik approach to, to foreign policy and that the U.S. Uh, should be not looking at, you know, what it, it thinks China should want and it not what China should be doing and when it comes to things like human rights, but instead to negotiate from a position that China is a very powerful country. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, China has interests and in that we have to take China for what it is. And so that's, there's, there's I guess, uh, Kishore believes that the U.S. has gotten away from this realpolitik over the past few years, over the past few decades, really, um, and should go back to what Kissinger, Nixon did when it came to yeah. opening up to China. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, uh, help us manage expectations here. Um, what do you think happens next with regard to the relationship between uh, President Biden and President Xi in terms of meeting up? Are we looking at maybe perhaps managing expectations? We have a couple more phone calls before an in-person meeting. Can it go back to that? Well, we, we, you know, the, the you know the two presidents you know, of the U.S. and China will be in Bali together for the G20. They're going to be in Thailand together uh, for APEC. So you would expect them to meet. It would be their first 
uh, in-person meeting yeah. since, you know, President Biden became president. And, you know, President Xi hasn't left the country since yeah. COVID until, yeah. yeah. you know, other than going to Hong Kong, which is still part of China, of course. So you, you would hope that they can meet. I mean, talking is better than not talking. Mm-hmm. You'll, they've had a few phone calls and uh, the staff will have to work together. So hopefully it will happen that they'll have a face to face. Steve, let's move on and talk about the Democratic Party's climate and healthcare bill that was passed. It is considered to be the most substantial legislative success of U.S. President Joe Biden's first term. Well, would you agree with that? And how would it help to reduce the country's carbon emission? Well, look, it, it's the most important climate legislation ever passed in, in, in the United States. Mm. Um, it's going to bring a huge amount of subsidies and uh, tax credits, which are going to enable the U.S. to cut its carbon emissions because there's going to be a focus on, you know, renewable energy, electric vehicles, hydrogen hubs, carbon capture and storage um, and the like. And if this, you know, uh, climate legislation kickstarts a clean energy revolution in the U.S., it will have huge implications abroad, but because it will show the U.S. is serious about about the climate, it, and it can be a global leader, as it had been in the past, but hasn't been for years now, um, and it, it could really make a difference globally. So this is a massive win, and it's just not a massive win for Joe Biden or the Democratic Party or the United States. Yeah, uh, and it probably is a massive win for, for the planet in, in the bigger picture. Uh, Steve, this one's uh, going to be an interesting uh, conversation. According to multiple aides and allies, uh, U.S. President Joe Biden is preparing to launch his re-election bid in the months after November's midterms. That's one hurdle he has to get past. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, he's he's going to be well into his 80s, right? Yeah, he'll be, he'll be there. He'll be the oldest president ever. Yeah. He'll be the oldest president, oldest person to ever run for office if he were to to, to you know, run for re-election. And I think part of this is going to be how do the Democrats do in the midterms? Mm. Um, everybody thought that the Democrats were going to lose both the House and the Senate. Then said, well, maybe they can hold on to the Senate now that the Democrats have had this ma- these massive wins on climate, on health care, um, in terms of the bipartisanship we've had in dealing with Russia's invasion of Ukraine in terms of getting legislation passed on semiconductors and, and gun control. Yeah. The, 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 the president's looking really good. And you got to remember the you know, Joe Biden, you know, believes that the country will be ruined if Donald Trump were ever president again. Uh, it's what motivated him to run the first time. If Trump were to announce, especially before the midterms, that he were to run, Joe Biden believes and maybe correctly that he's the Democrat. Democrat who could best beat Trump. So that will be a huge part of the motivation. And you saw what happened with, with, you know, for the first time ever, a former president had to get searched for stealing state secrets by the FBI. So this is only going to motivate Joe Biden even more. Okay, so you brought up the guy, the man, (laughs) Donald Trump. What's the likelihood of him coming back for a round two? Well, he wants to come back. There's no question about it. But I mean, what really happened, you know, this week and what was one of the most consequential weeks in U.S. in decades, probably with the passage of the legislation and and the, the search warrant for Trump. I mean, Trump is now clearly there's there's clear potential that he violated the law because these records that 
were the country's records. They're not his records. The, the record of the president do not belong to the person. They belong to the American people. He took them out of the White House to Mar-a-Lago. He was requested to return them. He returned some. His lawyers then signed an affidavit, said they returned them all. And then an inside source indicated to the Justice Department that was not true. They got a search warrant. They found dozens of boxes with highly classified material in there. So he is subject to, to more legal jeopardy now because this is such a clear-cut case, if it's true of a violation of law, he may feel that this makes it even more necessary for him to run because it may insulate him from the law. That may not be true, but that mm. may be what he believes. Oh, boy. Um, on to some sad news. Uh, author Salman Rushdie was taken off a ventilator and able to talk this a day after he was stabbed as he prepared to give a lecture in the upstate New York. Could you give us a bit of background as to uh, you know, how this even happened or, or what's the reaction uh, so far? Well, I mean, the, ra- or the reaction in the United States is, is one of shock, sadness, as, as President Biden said after the assault. You know, here was, you know, a person, you know, a, an author, you know, decades ago put yeah. under a, a fatwa by, by the Iranian government for words uh, that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, in the United States, and I think in, in, in much of the world, you know, the, the right of the freedom of expression has to be honored and protected. And here you had a 24-year-old American who reports, say, seem to have been, uh, you know, uh, you know, taken down the road of, of terrorism yeah. um, and attacked, you know, the author, you know, as he was about to, to talk about his book, he's a 75 years old, you a 75 year old, stabbed about 10 times and he may lose, you know, the, the Salman Rushdie may lose his eye over this. Yeah. So the whole country is, it's really reprehensible what happened. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's so horrible. Steve, I understand you're in California. Um, what are you, you seeing in the news there with regard to the monkeypox situation? Understand, of course, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. did declare uh, monkeypox a health, uh, public health emergency. Now, we are hearing some stories that patients are giving, but also that the FDA has some kind of a vaccine strategy that they're defending. Um, what's the latest on this development? Well, I, I mean, I think first the Americans, like everyone else, is like, you know, oh, my God, we've got another, yeah. another you know, disease to, yeah. to, to deal with after we, we're still dealing with COVID. Although to walk around here, it seems most people don't think COVID exists anymore. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I've been to of Italy. It does, but I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen a mask in, in, in days. This um, is because we're from but, Singapore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's... it's uh, I mean, look, I think the the administration has has acknowledged they were caught off guard by this. Right, right. Um, that they didn't have uh, enough vaccine doses, and there aren't enough to go around. Um, and so, you know, the the administration is now trying to get in, in on top of this, but it is it is going. You know, now you've got the public health emergency declared, mm. but the U.S. is a little bit behind, um, uh, as and, and maybe you know a, a lot behind. Um, but th- that's the question now people are worried about and as kids are going back
back to college, people are saying, oh, what do we need to do about that? So there's, you know, it's certainly in the news and it is something that the administration is trying to get on top of because they did get a, a late jump on making sure that they ordered enough vaccines and they and they didn't and they're just not enough to go around the world right now. Yeah, and, and naturally you'd have a lot of uh, judgment uh, because of the previous COVID strategy, which, you know, as you mentioned, people sort of ignored in the United States. They did, and, but they, you know, and but this also, it's not nearly as communicable. It, mm, it yeah. is really, un, you know, unfor- you know, it, it's it's focused more. I mean, you know, to read read what's evidence, focused more on you know transmission, usually from you know male to male sexual contact, yeah. Yeah. and so it happens in a community that doesn't get the attention, of course, that that you know it got in COVID, where yeah. it happened in the broader community, and that may be a little bit why the the U.S. and and others were slow to respond, but that lesson seems to have been learned by now. Okay. Been speaking with Steve Oaken, who is a senior advisor for McLarty Associates. Steve, always appreciate your time. Take in. Enjoy the holiday, yeah? Absolutely. Well, you, you can't help but help enjoy yourself in California. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.